0: Six o'clock, it's a fan morning show, bananas, Brent Gunning. I'm still getting used to waking up as early as I did today, but you know who's not Brent? Who? My dad. Oh, your dad. Who uh, had the pleasure of meeting him. Yeah, you've. Oh, was that the first time that you met time? Yeah, I met him on the golf course you did. Fitting um, a place as any. Yeah, that's where he spends most of uh, his days at this time of year. Got a phone call from him at 4.30 in the yes. morning, driving in today. Yes. So he is locked in. Shout out to your dad. Well, that's what old people do: is they wake up at four thirty. He goes to bed at eight thirty. Wakes up at four thirty.
1: Well, it's really the old people hat trick there: listening to the radio, being up early, and making a phone call.
0: That's like three of their favorite things. It's true. He should have left a voice message. Oh, he could have really. Yes. It could have. He could have really uh, read a physical copy of the paper. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right, let's let's get right into it. Um, so. Here's what I've learned, and it's something I knew, Mm. and maybe it was just reiterated. The Major League Baseball regular season lasts forever. Even even when you're in September, it lasts forever. Because it was only a week and a half ago, the Rangers swept away the Blue Jays. Uh, The season was over. John Schneider wasn't going to come back for year two or two and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. And everyone was going to be fired. Uh, Vladdy was going to be traded away. Mm-hmm. The sky was indeed falling. It had borderline fell. And, and here we are as the Blue Jays take four to six on their road trip through New York and Tampa Bay. And according to fan graphs, now a near certainty to make the playoffs. They are 97% to make the postseason with six more games to go day off today. They wrap up the season with the Yankees. And raise again, Brent. It is stupid how how far around we've come with this Blue Jays team.
1: Yeah. It, the I mean, we all did shows. I joked that it was a we touched on every flavor of American barbecue with how long we were barbecuing them for. Like we did the smoky Carolinas, mm-hmm. we did the Texas, we did the Memphis. It was every different flavor you could possibly have had. But the thing we always have to remind ourselves, and I'll take my first victory lap and I'll stop. I tried to tell you all that this team was going to find a way to squeak in because baseball seasons are so long. And when we were having, it wasn't just that the sky was falling from a Jays perspective. It's that the Mariners were seemingly never going to lose a game during that stretch. And then the, of course, of course the catastrophic series against the Rangers, that's what made it all feel over. But yeah, you can never remind yourself enough. If you woke up, stared in the mirror every single day and said, the Major League Baseball season is very long and I should not overreact. You still wouldn't be able to stop yourself because it is so impossibly long.
0: Okay, so I'm, I I shouldn't play devil's advocate to Bye. my own conversation or my own topic starter okay. to start the show. But yeah, there was the other side of it mm-hmm. that, I mean, I, I, I was one of those that was flaming the Blue Jays with yeah. the, the the caveat that there was still plenty of time to go mm-hmm. during the regular season. The The pitching was awful in that series. I mean, that's – that's and Chris Bassett touched on this over the weekend, that this is the path to success for this Blue Jays totally. team. Pitching and defense. The defense has been good all season long. The pitching was bad during the four-game series against the Rangers. The pitching was great over the weekend against the Yankees and the Rays. I mean, save for Saturday and the meltdown by Jordan Romano, which mm. maybe we can get to. Uh, I think there's a lot of ins and outs, yes. a lot of what-have-yous with the Romano broken uh, fingernail. But mm-hmm. this is – if you were going to believe in the Blue Jays beyond this regular season, getting into the postseason, making a deep run, that's the formula. It's, it's getting a couple of guys hot, which they apparently have now, with Vladdy hitting a couple of home runs yesterday as well, and a lockdown bullpen combined with starting pitching that can get you five or six. Yeah, you, you talk about the pitching in the series against the Rangers. And, you know, I was just kind of writing my
1: notes, making sure I was, you know, because sometimes we could be like a prisoner of the moment. So I wanted to go back, look at game logs, make sure it is amazing how often in my notes or my notes I wrote down after struggling terribly against the Rangers has found form in a nice way. And that was basically been the entire series of this team. You know, I, we all know what this group is capable of. Yes. Vladdy is capable of getting hot. Yes. Bo is capable of carrying this team at times. You've seen George Springer come through in big, big moments, but we also know that you can't bank on that night in and night out. But the one thing you should be able to bank on with this team is pitching, pitching, pitching. And it's not lost on me that just go back and look at the game logs of Star pitchers on this team if they got a and I don't mean a true quality start in terms of the staff but just if they got a quality start from their starter they almost always go on to win if not have a chance to win that game and then I know other weird things happen in that game but Ryu gets touched up on the Saturday and they just don't really have a shot in in that one
0: no they don't um that okay so this is a team and a location in Tropicana field so the Blue Jays. I think you talk to most casual Blue Jays fans, house and they wars. will say yeah. that it's a house of horrors. You know what the Blue Jays record is against the Rays in Tropicana Field this season. What? It's three and three. Hmm. You know what it was last year? Hmm. It's four and five. You know what it was in twenty twenty one? It was four and five. Hmm. So I mean, this year they're they're exactly at five hundred. Of course, playing fewer games against your divisional uh, opponents with the more balanced schedule. But over the last three years. The idea that Tropicana Field is a place where where horrible things happen, and yes, Saturday was was a horrible, horrible loss. Uh, but Jordan Romano, it sh- people should be reminded, is is statistically one of the best closers in baseball. Even with that blown save, he's only got five this season. I don't know. I I, I are we past the Tropicana Field being a, a house of horrors thing? For the Blue Jays?
1: Well, I mean, when you lay it out over the three-year span that you, the way you do, maybe we should be. But I think if you just pose that for this year, a lot of people would say, hmm. This isn't my slightly older brother's Rays. They don't feel as dangerous. They don't feel as scary. So I think so much of the Tropicana Field as a house of horrors has been the Rays just have that magic pixie dust and can, you know, find a way and they sprinkle it on a guy and he turns into a super reliever or whatever it is. And they just don't seem to have as much of that this year. So I think that's probably why to some people would feel that way. But I'm shocked at those numbers when you lay it out, not just for this year, but for the last couple as well. Because
0: it's still, you know, it feels weird. It doesn't feel like and I guess that they had a, a more raucous crowd over the weekend than they've had most uh of the season, considering how good they've been and how near the top what of an the idea. division. Yeah, I mean, this was a team that, what, rattled off 13 straight wins to start mm-hmm. the season. The Blue Jays actually handed them their first loss of the season. I do remember that. And, and they're still alive as far as the, the division race is concerned. Also something to consider in this final series of the season when it comes to the, the Blue Jays looking to clinch their spot in the postseason. The Rays may be home and cooled out as far as being the top wild card team going into those final three games of the year. But, yeah, it's it's... It doesn't feel like it probably should. Late September baseball against a team that's also battling Mm -hmm. to get into the playoffs. Um, It's obviously a horrible looking game ballpark which plays into it and there have been by no the d- way the renderations of the, or the
1: renderings of the new one also kind of looks bad as well i don't know if you yeah, saw yeah it.
0: it's it's got a, a roof that is not retractable is is what i'm led to believe mm. so it's it's kind of the same as the tropic, except they're, they're going to be able to open flaps on the side of it i would great i okay <laughs> i don't know. for my money i i you know in florida i might i might hazard to you have like an open roof be outside crazy i know yeah it's just It it looks awful, and it is true that the Blue Jays have had some horrible, horrible losses there over the the years.
1: Catwalks, and you just don't. It's just unappealing, and it's you don't want to be there. And you guess what? You're going to have to be used to it because you're going to play three there. Yeah, I.
0: I I just think the idea that the trop is some place that that has uh, a history of of Blue Jays failures recently is uh, is probably some institutional memory from from Blue Jays fans. Well, let me let me put this to you. I've been a big believer of you know, and I. I'm not
1: equating what the Jays have gone through to these other things, but when the Red Sox beat the, when the world series and broke the curse, they didn't just break the curse. They had to come back from 0-3 against the Yankees. Now this didn't work out this way for the Leafs. I was a big proponent that you wanted to go through Boston. You wanted to slay that dragon. And what fit better way for this Jays team to finally get over a hump to go back to guess what? Cause in 15 and 16, we were talking about how much we disliked the chop. Then it wasn't quite viewed the same, but you can just kind of slay those dragons. So yes, I'm with you. Like, bring it on it's not gonna be fun no one likes watching baseball be played there but it has not been the same way this year and honestly if this team this group is going to finally get over
0: the hump and win a playoff series yeah from a narrative perspective as good a place as any sure other and, than at home obviously yeah no it, it's a it's a hundred percent true it's not a team that had or has nearly as many ghosts as Yeah, the 2004 Red Sox, this is a team. It's been a while, like 92 and 93 was a while ago. But, yeah, look at some of the franchises around Major League Baseball that Mm -hmm. have gone beyond that as far as winning. Like, Rangers have never won a World Series. They were an out-away. Nelson Cruz up against the ball in right field, like had a chance to to catch the 27th out and and win a World Series. They haven't won one in franchise history. But, yeah, it's – We'll, we'll maybe preview a potential Blue Jays Rays series later on in the mm-hmm. program. It just doesn't feel like overwhelmingly negative as far as the perception of those two. And you know what? To that point, Go I was tw- I, I was tweeting this out yesterday yep. that I, I okay in an overall sense, the Blue Jays record against the American League East is bad, mm-hmm. but it's 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 bad on the basis of one team that they've played, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. They're three and ten against the Orioles. Red Sox, after losing the first seven games they played against them, they won the last six, swept the last two series against the Red Sox to finish six and seven. Yankees with three games to play, five and five. And now the Rays with three games to play, also five and five. So you can talk about how this team looks, uh, you know, like they're they're not the part in the best division in baseball. And while that may have been the case in, in May when they, uh-huh. they really started to swoon in that big stretch of games against divisional foes. Like recently, and in an overall sense, it's one team. It's the Orioles who were having a special season. Like the numbers overall wouldn't lead you to suggest that the Blue Jays are like several notches below the top teams in the division outside of, I guess, the Orioles. Three and 10 is is pretty stark. But yeah, a lot of those games were, feels like they were played a long time ago because they were.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels that way. I think the other part of it as well, and they were able to counteract a bit of this, is that... You know, up until this race series this weekend, what were the two biggest series you had? It was the one against Baltimore and the one against Texas, and you laid an absolute egg in both of those series. So I think being able to come through in a big spot. Well, and, that's it. And was it pretty? No. Was it exactly you draw it up? No. But guess what? They found a way.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, the Friday game wasn't pretty, but you you – beat Tyler Glass, exactly. like you, you, you beat their best pitcher with Shane McClanahan, which is it's insane that the Rays are still battling at the top of this division I without know. Shane McClanahan, without Wander Franco, like the two most important players. Well, we'll for see That what team. happens with Diaz now as well. Like, well, yeah, team, like, yeah, Yandy Diaz, this guy that's like a perennial 300 hitter, all of a sudden has decided to hit home runs this year and be an MVP candidate. Good ad. Yeah, that was a, that was a smart move by him to decide to also. Hit their home hitting runs.
1: coach must be so good <laughs> to tell him that. Do you think their hitting coach just said, "Hey, Yandy, poke one out of here every
0: once in a while"? Yeah, you you Genius. wonder how the hell that happened. God. But yeah, he's t- he's turned himself. I mean, yeah, Rays players tend to do that, um, where they they just find another gear or you know go from what you thought they were to another level. He's one of those dudes and a, a guy that. I hazard to say they can't afford to miss because again, they're missing a guy in Wander Franco who yeah. was going to be an MVP candidate mm-hmm. and Shane McClanahan might've won Cyan, a Cy Young yeah. award. But yeah, to be without Yandy Diaz would, uh, well, be- it seems
1: like they have this every year and I know no one's crying because every year there's tons of studs in baseball that are missing a ma- uh, tons of time. But I mean like the glass now, the limited innings missing so much time. It just seems like every single year, They are missing a massive key cog of their team, and it just doesn't really matter. I think that's another part of it that just adds to the frustration. But I guess, you know, a lot of people who are outside observers would look at the Jays this year and say, yeah, you lost Manoa out Mm -hmm. of thin air, and it didn't affect you at all, which is kind of true. No, it's
0: 100% true. It's it's pretty wild. And um, I don't think you... Could have counted on a couple of guys that were coming off Tommy John surgery being as important yeah. as they've been in Hunjin Ryu totally. and, and Chad Green, but yeah, they've slotted in perfectly um, with the, with the loss of Manoa. Before we move on to to the Leafs with their their mm-hmm. their three two loss in the first preseason game of the season. Uh-oh. So I, I mentioned that the bullpen has been good. It 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 really has, and. Uh, I think maybe this is the perception of every closer around major league baseball that everybody feels like their closer is the one that like walks a tightrope, right? Mm. Like
1: it's never easy. Oh, I thought you were going to say their closer is the one who doesn't get enough respect. No, I also no, feel like no. there's, there's a also lot of that. that.
0: Yeah, there is that. You know what the nature of being a closer is is you're in baseball games in the most intense moments and within 3 runs. So like every And generally speaking a good part of the order. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, you're getting uh, the the uh, the opposing team's best hitters whether that's okay uh top of the lineup middle of the lineup or you know pinch hitters because mm-hmm. that's it's their last opportunity to win the baseball game all right so Blue Jays pulled the save on Saturday with mm-hmm. Romano who didn't look great and I, I have some questions about John Schneider's decision to leave him out there despite the fact that he told some. him he was fine
1: some <laughs> hundreds of thousands I would like a dissertation from somebody on what happened there what are we doing
0: uh, okay it must be reiterated to people how good the blue jays and you know what nick ashburn had a great write-up the other dance oh, Net- well about how you know you can kill the blue jays hitters for not coming through in clutch situations although they've they've been a lot better in the last month and a half or so um but if you're gonna do that you need to look at some of the clutch pitching the blue jays have gotten this season their era in close and late situations, high leverage situations mm-hmm. is like two runs higher than the second best in Major League Baseball. They've been the best, and in fact, they lead the Majors with 51 saves, and they're tied for the third fewest blown saves in in Major League Baseball. So yeah, Jordan Romano, is he peak Mariano Rivera? I guess not, but like... He's among the elite of the elite when it comes to shutting down games in Major League Baseball in 2023.
1: Yeah, and I think the I think the reason some people are a little hesitant to put him there is because it is not, like, his stuff is good. His stuff is fine, but it is not super overwhelming. He is a pitcher. He's not a hurler. Like, he is not Jordan Hicks just getting by on 102-103. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he goes about it more with guile and pitch selection. And, again, this isn't to say he's up there toss and slop. He can run it up there, but that's not just what he is. The the I need to go back to leaving him in the game I understand at this point, every game is crucial and you need to get in and X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that if this is something that could have bled into a bigger issue, he wouldn't have stayed in the game. But what does it do? Let's just live in the nightmare world for a second, where if that is a, that thing splits open and he's missing some serious time, like how much does that completely crush your faith in the Jays pen because it's not to say there aren't guys who can't do it, mm-hmm. but having Hicks is a guy who comes out in a trouble spot as opposed to the trouble spot is
0: very, very different to to me. Well, and I'll take you, I'll do you, you one better than that. Yeah. Because John Schneider, after the game, talked about the conversation he had with Jordan Romano and Jordan Romano reiterating this thing, you know, that, hey, the fingernail, okay, not an issue, not. The reason why I didn't look at my best. And, yes, did they have... Why do you keep looking at it, then? (laughs) This is my point. Uh, And, yeah, they were were a a review away from just allowing the one run and and getting this thing to X ratings. Okay, you can talk about it not impacting him. Why was he staring Uh, at it? Thank you. I mean, even if it's not like a physical... It's not physically impacting either the velocity or the control of the pitches... You can't tell me it didn't impact him, right? Like, if I've got an issue that, you know, is not physically hampering me, but after every pitch, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking about it, Maybe not physically it was impacting him. Mentally, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind it was impacting Jordan Romano.
1: I'll go uh, and I'll just add another log onto the fire here. Let's say it wasn't affecting him and he says it wasn't. Let's even say he was able to overcome the mental hurdle, which, by the way, he was for sure not because he kept looking at his hand the entire time. What is more important? And I understand these are not absolutes and you have to find a way to thread the needle. As a manager, these are all the tough questions, yada, yada, yada. Now, again, seems like they've avoided disaster here. But if that thing splits and you lose Romano for Mm. the rest of, you know, I don't want to turn this into a month-long thing, but you just lose him for the rest of the regular season, what does that do to your pen? It completely... Again, it doesn't ruin all the arms you built up, but it just takes everything out of its proper order. It it makes the decision so much harder for Schneider when they've been hard enough as is. So that was just absolute playing with fire there. I wonder how much of it was them feeling like, all right, this is our chance to have like a death blow in the wild card race. And then we will be home and cool. Well, but I don't think you could think that way at, in that point in time.
0: Well, and and beyond that, even um and jordan romano's the closer and he and he gets the benefit of the doubt and like i said he's been so great all season long he's not immune from having an off night and the idea that that he has to be the man on the mound whether there's a success or a failure Mm -hmm. in the bottom of the ninth just because he's the closer like i at a certain point you did realize whether it was the fingernail or not this was not the best we could we've seen jordan romano so the idea that he has to be the man on the mound when you've got a platoon advantage and potentially Tim Mays are coming out of the out of the bullpen to get the, the final out and send it to X Ranings, I just there was a lot about that that I, I, I didn't necessarily love. Uh, that being said, Blue Jays probably escaped with a win they didn't deserve in the first game of the series yeah. where they just took advantage of a million walks. Um but yeah no that's... They almost did that again on Saturday. Yeah. They <laughs> they really almost did. Uh so it's yeah it's it's hard to argue with the the end result being just but yeah it's, it's something to, to to look at ahead uh forward and it, especially man if you're if you're going to poke holes in in this Blue Jays team and and what they could do in the postseason looking back to the brief sample we have of John Schneider in the postseason last year is bullpen management.
1: Yeah I, and I, I, I like Uh, maybe this is just frustration talking, but I don't even know why Schneider went out there. What do you think Romano's going to say? I Mm. can tell you right now, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Go sit down. I can tell you right now that's what was going to get said. And guess what? That's probably something pretty close to what got said. It is. It just felt like, in hindsight, the way that played out, that obviously he wants to go out there and be part of the conversation, but it was just basically a little league coach going to give him a tap on the shoulder and say, go get him, pal. It didn't feel like it was ever in the cards no. for him to come out, and that's just more... Well, you have to take the the, the control away from the athlete at a certain point. The, and that's the... For a, this this team's problems aren't John Schneider. He's not immune from criticism, but I think it's sometimes too easy to point the finger just there. But for a guy who was brought in to be kicking butts a little bit, and it was the second side of Montoyo, it seems like all that has kind of completely, or the other, the opposite side of Montoyo, it feels like that has kind of completely gone away, and he's
0: just kind of hanging out. Um, more Blue Jays coming up uh, later on the program. We'll also talk to Kevin Barker after 8 o'clock. All right, so the Maple Leafs, Open up their preseason. Oh, thank God they're back! <laughs> oh, my boys. With uh, not a necessarily very representative lineup, but on the road in Ottawa, I think you'll see a pretty representative lineup tonight mm-hmm. uh, on Sports at seven o'clock as they play their first home game of the preseason. Three-two loss to the Sens. Almost thirteen feet of goalie in that one. <laughs> <win>. Keith Petroselli, six-five. <laughs> Dennis Hill to be six-foot-six. Okay, like give me your your preseason 3-2 Maple Leafs loss to uh, a better equipped Senators team than the Maple Leafs to open up the preseason, Brent, All right, rapid fire. Here are things I wrote down (laughs) during the game. Uh, Cuthbert just mentioned
1: this during the call. Uh, The Leafs played a scrimmage game with just one goal uh, so far in camp. Please, God, don't be the 2023 Blue Jays and have overcorrected and lost Mm. all the offense. Willie looks huge, so does Matt Nye's. Uh, this is just a little hipster leaf take for you. Would have liked Minton a little higher up in the lineup. Mm. Liked what he showed. Well, uh, he got bumped up a little bit a little at the bit end of later. the game. That was an earlier note from earlier in the game. Uh, this is just, uh, you know, allow me to be emotional early on in leaf season. Uh, Fire Guy Boucher and Manny Malholcho. The power play has not been fixed. <laughs> Uh, and then I really like Minton and Nyes later on uh, drawing a power play for the Leafs. So there are a few things I like, but grand scheme of things, what are we going to do? Preseason game with not pe- many people in it. Willie Nylander looks huge. Honestly, that is actually my only takeaway. I don't know that he is any bigger. Mm-hmm. He just looks, and he's not tall. He just looks really thick. He looks massive out there to me.
0: Last yeah, he's, night. Uh, he's a large fellow. Um, that was his first kick of the can uh, up the middle for this Maple Leafs team. Going to be... A- totally different 20 players on the ice tonight mm-hmm. at scotia Oh, arena
1: also i also included a uh, a note about a ref missing a trip on a clear break okay they gave <laughs> <give laughs> jake sanderson a lot of credit for a great defensive play yeah it's called a trip
0: all right uh that's a I, lot bro. i am who i am buddy yeah no no i i appreciate it um there's oh, a, and sorry, one
1: last one. Domi and Willie, and then I just put the eyes emoji because I made a nice little cycle play to each other. So okay, that, that so, as well. So
0: f- f- that's, that's actually yeah, that is
1: actually the end of my Leafs notes.
0: Okay, all right. So we can move off from uh, the game. Obviously, the 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 camp note um, that was making waves mm-hmm. last year's or last week was William Nylander moving up the middle. Since then, we've. Got a couple of extras. Um, I think the one over the weekend that was making the most waves and maybe something we will uh, see tonight. Again, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. The return engagement sends and leaves at Scotiabank Arena is uh, John Klingberg uh, Mm -hmm. on Power Play 1, supplanting Morgan Riley, which we've seen more than a couple of guys do. Um, There's a guy that was kind of... I I I think of all the off-season acquisitions, maybe his acquisition was the most head-scratching, considering the way his, his game has trended the last couple of years and mm-hmm. the cap hit of over $4 million bucks, I will say, if you're going to go out and get John Klingberg, I think you better play him on Power Play 1.
1: Yeah, it's it's a I think when you're looking at it from a standpoint of what's the best way to use John Klingberg, him being on power play one is 100 percent the best way to get the best version of him. The reason why it was such a head scratchy move to me is not necessarily the player. I mean, you see what Treliving living did with Domi and with Bertuzzi, the one year flyers. That's kind of his sure. MO. But all we have heard is that this guy wants a nasty or meaner back end. And mm. John Klingberg is the polar opposite of all of all of those things. I immediately go to what does this do to Morgan Riley? Because Morgan Riley in the playoffs was the best version we have ever seen of him. Now, it is completely unfair to expect any player to perform as well as they did with the intensity that they did in the playoffs over an 82 game regular season. But I also think that just looking at what this Leafs decor is, it's the exact same thing we say every single year. Morgan Riley has to be their best guy because he is their best defenseman. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to balance the least power play looking as good and as dangerous as it possibly can with keeping Morgan Riley engaged. Now they have him with Lilligan on that second unit. It, it seems pretty clearly that's going to be more of a punt unit. It's going to be, they're going to get the last 20 seconds or yeah. so. So you can have a defense unit out there. That is my big question about it. I have no qualms about how Klingberg fits with those guys, but it is about getting the best version of, of Riley. And how do you balance all
0: that? Well, and maybe you get both with him on power play one, because yeah, I I, I get it in, in an overall sense over the, the course of their careers. John Klingberg has a higher ratio of points and mm-hmm. goals playing on the power play than Morgan Riley does. This Leafs power play was second in the National Hockey League percentage We wise. always forget that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they, they didn't fall apart in the postseason last year. They didn't get enough nope. opportunities against Florida, I would say. But, yeah, it was it was not something that we've been talking about in previous postseasons. The idea that you needed a change, I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the take here. But I will say... The the Klingberg move looks a little bit more curious if he's not getting an opportunity to 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 play on power play one with all the the offensive fire uh, firepower that exists there.
1: Yeah, and the the thing about Klingberg that's going to help with that unit is that he is you know I think some people have gotten a little carried away that this is going to be like a 2004 power play and John Klingberg is just going to be unleashing one-timers at the top. That's not necessarily going to happen, but he is more of a capable, a more willing shooter than, than Riley's been. That's obviously where it goes. The other thing about Riley is he just the opposite side of not being as willing a shooter. He's, he was very quick to pass off and Mm -hmm. you could see the way teams played him. They kind of opened shooting lines or shooting lanes for him. And he was able to take advantage of that in the playoffs. So i th- we know how this least power play goes. We know how power plays go across the league. This is going to be an evolving thing. I have no problem with them giving Klingberg the shot because you want to get him off and running, but I think that if that unit shows a kind of slow start, one of the first things you'll see change is Morgan Riley
0: back there. yeah, you know it works. I mean that's the other thing it's like you, do you need to see Morgan Riley with the uh, the forty million dollars a forward no, yeah. no no we, we, we know we know that works yeah. uh so yeah, maybe you can. Um, get something out of John Klingberg. The other thing that we'll be looking for on special teams tonight is maybe Austin Matthews penalty killer. Now he's he's not going to be one of the first few guys out there, but there's been this this continued, uh, this continued idea that he could be involved on the the four on five special teams. He's never killed penalties in his entire hockey career, mm-hmm. whether that be junior, whether that be. Um, in Switzerland, Zura, baby, <laughs> he's never done it before. Uh, lots of guys who are high-end skill and goal scorers and key contributors to their hockey teams do it. I mean, what do you what do you think of Austin Matthews getting more ice time, albeit not the five-on-five variety in which he's been the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League since he stepped onto a National Hockey League ice surface?
1: I think if. The and not David Kampf because he's proven he can do this, but whoever the other forwards are in the bottom half of your lineup prove that they're not capable of that, then yes, you should look at Austin Matthews in that regard. He should be able to kill penalties. It should be something he is comfortable doing but I never want to see him blocking a shot in my life. All we ever talk about with this guy is Mm -hmm. that even when he plays all the games in a season, which he didn't last year, which he never does, but even when he comes close to it, all we ever talk is that he's banged up all the time and he's got a little thing here, a little thing there. That is as physically demanding a job as you can ask somebody to do is just blocking shots and be in lanes and put yourself in danger. So I don't want to see it on a regular basis. This isn't to say he can't do it. He obviously has the foot speed. He is a really smart player. He's super strong on pucks. All the traits that make him amazing at every other facet of the game would make him dominant there as well. But if you now have Marner, who is going to kill penalties, that's not a he might, he will kill penalties. And then you have Matthews there as well all of a sudden we have, have have the pendulum swinging the exact other way where this isn't to say these guys can't play 22 minutes on a night where you need them to but if it's all about the playoffs and the long grind and yada 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 you don't want them doing that every single night either so that's where i'd be cautious about this i don't i don't love it to be perfectly honest
0: no i don't i'm i would go beyond that and say that uh, hate i hate it, it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't understand i mean if this was a guy and i'm sure he can he can do the job because so much of Killing penalties is just – it's will and, and totally. you know, skating your hardest for mm-hmm. 30 seconds and getting in people's ways and, and having an active mm-hmm. stick. He can probably do that. Are you best suited to have Austin Matthews taking away, again, some of his five-on-five five time? I mean, unless all of a sudden his his ice time is going to, to jump up another minute and a half. Uh, although we're, we're if we're talking about him on the penalty kill, we're probably not even talking about him on the first couple of units. Maybe as like the, the the fifth guy yeah. in there uh, in a penalty kill situation. It does feel like it's a it's a way to like almost boost his resume for well a Selkie. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. win a Selkie without killing penalties, yeah. and two for a Hart Trophy, right? Like this is a guy that we know can be a two hundred foot player for sure. He's an effective two way centerman. To throw that onto the resume. I mean, it would be very impressive. Connor McDavid does it. Yeah. I, almost, I almost look at that as a direct comparison and say, hey, Connor McDavid does it. Why can't you do it?
1: I honestly hadn't thought about that part of it. That is, that is interesting. I also would feel very differently about this if this was, and I'm not even the guy who's in this camp of, oh, Willie doesn't play any defense. Mm-hmm. I'm the, the, kind of the last guy to get on him. Not that it doesn't happen, but I just, just too many people yelling it. I'll let them all yell it. But if it was Willie Nylander who they're saying you are, going to kill penalties not you might not we want you in the mix you are i understand it when it is a challenge to a player saying hey Wake up. You got to dig into these parts of your game. You can float by at five on five. You don't have a chance. There's no hiding out there when you're killing a penalty. And Matthews doesn't need that. So that's the other way I could kind of be talked into it a little of the poking and the prodding. But it's just not the case. One last thing on on Willie and, and center there. So I heard you and Bunk on Friday talking about it. And you were both so excited to have yeah. the take that everyone everyone in the has. Had. Yeah, But apparently. I feel like I have just a slightly different spin. Everyone coming at it. So negatively of the Leafs, they're going to ruin Willie by making him play center. And then he's going to come back with his tail tucked between his legs and go, I'm sorry, I'm not a center. I'll take my nine five and go sit in the corner. I look at it the exact same way, but just with a very odd for me, positive lens. Mm. I think Brad for living in the very short time he's been here. I don't know if Kyle Dubas left his big uh, sweater or big uh, signing cardigan around or if the glasses have, like, gotten in and wormed their way to true living. I think he's sitting there going, I can't imagine this Leafs team without William Nylander. I need to find a way to justify Mm -hmm. keeping him on this team. So it is the exact same thought, but it is not from a ah, we're going to prove to him he's no good. It is, I am dying for this guy right. to prove he is that good. This is the way, If because if he proves he can be a center, you're 2C at that, 100%. then you can justify it.
0: No, 100%. I, I didn't discount that possibility. And I, I don't think, hey, I, I don't think you ever put your player in a position to fail, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I think that's <laughs> as as much as, yeah, you, you think you can save a couple million bucks on, yeah. on his eventual cap hit. That's, that's not... Good, good sense to put <laughs> William Nylander in a position that you expect him to embarrass himself in. But yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, can you pay even a forty goal winger ten plus million bucks on not this two team? Of them. Yeah, on, on 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 this team, maybe not. Can you can you pay a guy who's going to be an eventual John Tavares replacement mm-hmm. up the middle in a couple of years more than ten million bucks? Yeah, that conversation. Is a is a whole lot different. Again, like I don't think there's anything nefarious yeah. with with the way that they've set this camp up for for William Nylander. I, I I just I don't think that's a smart way. And I think players are too smart. Not just William Nylander himself, but the his other team. Like everybody mm-hmm. know if if that were in fact the case, everybody you know if we're thinking about it, yeah. I I think <laughs> they'd be thinking about it as well. I, I'm totally with you with the the more positive lens on it.
1: Yeah, and I I think. And honestly, how I expect this to go with Willie is how it always goes with Willie. If they are committed to playing him at center for whatever it is, 30 games until the trade deadline, until Christmas, whatever their nice arbitrary number is, I think it's going to go how it always goes with them. They're going to be a there's going to be a five game stretch where we talk about the missed opportunities this Leafs team has had by not playing him down the center for the better part or down the middle for the better part of three years because of how mm. good he looks there. And we've just been cutting off our nose despite our face. And there's the cadre replacement right there. And then there are going to be two or three games in that in that 10 game stretch where he completely lapses on a defensive assignment or he gets pushed around in the in the defensive zone on a big draw it is just going to go how it always goes for Willie and his numbers will probably drop a bit if he ends up playing center but I think in terms of what you get out of the player it's going to be pretty similar to what you've always got
0: all right let's take a break uh when we come back um the Raptors all of a sudden have pulled themselves into if not pole position, one of the leading positions when it comes to the rumors surrounding Damian Lillard if he doesn't end up getting don't his way. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. <laughs> if he doesn't end up getting his way uh in in leaving the Portland Trail Blazers for the Miami Heat, also we haven't gotten to the NFL story in 70 points. Mike McDaniel's Dolphins uh, putting up against Sean Payton's Broncos, that and a whole lot more as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, SportsNet 590, The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jay's Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fan morning show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Day one. It's a choice by the Samp Man on yeah. the wheels of steel. Yeah, I'm not a wrestling guy, but, man, I can get behind this song. I do.
1: Let me tell you. There are a few things, like, trying to think of things hot in the streets at times in my life. My wife jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, both first Borat, and I don't know if everyone was ready for it, but I brought it back for second Borat no, movie. No, we no, not ready for that. Okay, oh. well, it, it happened. Okay. Uh, and then, I don't know, grade seven six whatever time that was going on of crotch chops were oh, yeah. so hot in the streets
0: yeah get a little bit of water in your mouth oh that yeah sure yeah teachers loved it i'm sure <laughs> they're big fans <laughs> um raptors training camp right around the corner you know, early October, the uh, NBA season starts the end of October. I always am so shocked how late it starts. Every year, I'm like, all right, basketball time. And they're like, oh, you're, no, no, you're, you're going to wait. wait. Yeah. You are going to wait. Oh, you got to wait a while for the start of the Leafs regular season. Know. As well. Only seven more preseason games. to the- go. <laughs> 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 but you should watch game uh, number two tonight on Sportsnet. I mean, I'm a sicko. I watch. Every- yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of our job. Um, so the Raptors were very meh. A season ago, as you may recall, just eased their way into the play-in game uh, and then blew, uh, blew a big lead to a very equally mad Chicago Bulls team because they couldn't make any free throws. What a time. Uh, despite the fact that they gave away a first-round pick of the deadline for Jakob Pertl instead of selling away assets.
1: And I was told the bill of goods that there was stuff they could do this summer that would make me excited.
0: Lies. Well, I mean, you may get your way. So this over the weekend from NBA insider Mark Stein the Toronto Raptors have truly convinced numerous teams across the league with their genuine interest to trade for Damian Lillard. The uncertainty at this point stems more from gauging Toronto's true willingness to push all the way forward with its Lillard pursuit when it's believed that the all-star guard behind the scenes remains so resistant to the idea of becoming a Raptor. All right, before we react to this, let's also... Get more information on the Lillard side of things and and what his true feelings may be because he's been on the record as wanting a trade out of Portland after they decided not to trade their first round pick. So this is the Five on the Floor podcast with host uh, Ethan Skolnick and uh, Matt Moore. If you're Masai, how do you make that trade When you know he doesn't want to be there. I mean, there's, it's not like Kawhi where he's one year from free agency or anything. You're talking about four years.
1: Would you do it if you are Toronto? Would you offer Scotty Barnes? I want to know your... I have a question for you. Okay. Because I think you know better than I do. Okay. Do you believe those teams have talked to Damian Lillard or do you believe that they've talked to Aaron Goodwin? I would believe they've spoken to Aaron Goodwin. Yes. I am of the opinion... This is not reported. I'm not reporting this. I, personally, putting pieces together think that there is like a very strict no one talks to dame because everyone around the league that knows dame feels like yeah no if he gets on the phone he'll be like yeah man whatever let's give it a shot because that's how dame is because dame wants to play because that's how dame's wired
0: yeah the basketball player wants to play basketball it turns out no talking to him you only talk to me wow man if there
1: are a lot of things that people who follow sports maybe don't understand about it or the machinations. If you wanted to hammer home the idea, of like an evil agent type. That is exactly the story right there. If, hey, can we talk to your client, the guy who makes the decisions about, no, absolutely not. He's going to want to do something ridiculous, like go play in Canada or something.
0: No, but that's, that. not that kind of the job of the agent though too, is to to, to have the hard line stance. If that's stance. what the player wants. If, that, if Damian Lillard is well, saying. But, but no, listen, if that's not what the player ultimately wants or is leaning towards now. Okay, so there's two things. There's hey, Damian Lillard wants to go to Miami. Yeah. He would prefer to go to Miami. Mm-hmm. And there's Damian Lillard will only go to Miami. But if you're the agent, don't you have to take the hardline stance if that's what you want? Exactly because you want. If, if if there's any crack in the armor here, mm-hmm. teams are going to pounce. That's and true. it seems that there is a crack in the armor and the Raptors are going to pounce here.
1: Well, the the Raptors part of this is the, you know, I think in every, much like with every criticism of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, by a lot, it was couched in, hey, it's baseball. There's a lot mm-hmm. of time left. All my criticism of Masai Jerry has been couched in, Unless he's working on the master plan for Dame or Giannis, mm. like th- everything makes no sense unless this is the plan to try to run back the Kawhi thing effectively all over again. In terms of the in terms of the stance, you're you're right about the agent kind of putting up a fence, keeping people away. That that is probably or not probably that is the right thing for him to do there. I just love that about Lillard that it's. I know myself too well. You can't let these people talk to me. They're going to talk me into going anywhere because I just love to to hoop. From the Raptors perspective, this has always been the kind of, I think for the people who are the biggest Maasai backers, saying this is what I ultimately think will happen. Not to say per se Dame Lillard, but sitting and waiting and being ready to pounce, much like they did with Kawhi. Yeah,
0: The, the difference, of course, uh, that 2019 Raptors team are at least going into the 2018-2019 Raptors team, is that was a really good team. Oh, yeah, it was. It yeah. <laughs> was a Really good team uh, that kept running into LeBron James, but was like perennially having great, great, great mm-hmm. regular seasons, like fifty-nine win type regular seasons, and were clearly a Kawhi Leonard away. And if it was a not a if Kawhi Leonard, if that had blown up and and gone sideways, there was a pivot that was about to take place there. But that w- that was a team that was ready to win. It's hard to argue that a five hundred Raptors team that lost to the Chicago freaking Bulls in a play-in game, is, is a Dame Lillard away from winning now that being said the eastern conference is super weird and and the sixers who knows what's about to happen with james harden because i mean that that yep. seems like a guy who his agent and the player are on the same page and yes it, when especially when you hear the player say explicitly i'll never play for a daryl morey <laughs> franchise ever again <laughs> um and, and the heat keep making postseason runs but that's not a super great regular season and Giannis is mm-hmm. already intimating about leaving mm-hmm. milwaukee so i i get it there's like a Potential openness of the Eastern Conference. But I don't look at this Raptors team, who, by the way, has a couple of pending free agents themselves mm-hmm. in Pascal Siakam, in OG Ananobi, and you would figure one of those guys would be headed in the opposite direction. Yeah,
1: I just quickly whipped it up on the trade machine. Uh, Chris Boucher, um, uh, OG, and Scotty Barnes get you $69,000 short of where you need to be. And then if you throw Gary Trent in the Chris Boucher spot, then
0: you're then you're there. Are you a better basketball team So w- with Pascal no, Siakam? Plan- and Dame Lillard, but uh, no no Scotty Barnes and whole, no OG Ananobi. The whole
1: crux of this question <laughs> boils down to it has quite honestly, it has nothing to do with what Dame Lillard is. I think everyone from the general s- scheme has a pretty same thought about him. It has nothing to do with what Scotty Barnes can one day become. If you believe in Dame Lillard and what he can do, you do give up on that. It all hinges on what you believe Pascal Siakam is at his best. Mm-hmm. If you think that guy is good enough to be the second banana on a
0: championship team well, or I mean, a perennial we, team. We we know he can be the second best player because he was in 2019. He I was mean, for parts of it, but you had th- look at all the infrastructure that was
1: around him for that. Obviously, Kawhi, I mean, however good however however we feel about Dame, I think it's safe to say that playoff Kawhi is a completely different level beyond just about anybody, yeah. even Dame. You look at Kyle Lowry. That is not going to be here. You look at Serge Ibaka, Marcus. All to your point about what was there. That Siakam, yeah, he had big games, but he could also go deathly quiet at times because Van Vliet showed up, and there was just so much. There was so much more around him to insulate him to allow him to occasionally be that guy, but he didn't have to be every single day. I have been somebody who's just never been a believer that if he is your true second best player, it's good enough. I don't think it is. So that's why I would, but I also don't know that Scotty Barnes is the key to the future. So I think I'm of a mind of say, yeah, you know what? Do it. Go on a run. Have Dame here. Get back to the Lowry DeRozan era, if that's all that it is, of making conference final runs and having playoff games that matter. Like, I'd be here for that. And so it just all boils down to me to what you think about what Pascal Siakam is. That's the whole crux of this to me.
0: Yeah, uh I mean it also boils down to what you think Damian Lillard is this season and beyond because this is a guy who's not 25, he's nope. 33 years old. Yeah, fair, Is making $45 million this year, 48 million next year and he's on the hook for two more years beyond that in 25-26 uh, and 26-27 culminating with a $63 million <laughs> uh annual salary. In, in 26, twenty six, twenty seven. Who I I mean, listen, he's he doesn't appear to be uh fading, at least uh, offensively as far <laughs> as his, his his scoring is concerned. But yeah, this is not this guy's not built in the same way that Kawhi Leonard is, right? Like not somebody and and you look at that the 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 Build of of a smaller point mm-hmm, guard, yep. despite the fact that his three point shooting is is unreal, and he's got some ability to get to the rim. Those guys don't generally age the best. And again, like, are you is is he the the missing piece? A guy who's you know had some moments in the postseason, obviously some notable uh, shots made to yep. to win series, but also has never won anything. Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard was a champion, yeah, Finals MVP. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you're selling yourself on. Okay, Pascal Siakam and a guy who's a great three point shooter and and a, a great gift machine when it comes to the postseason as as the the next duo that's going to win an NBA championship. I just don't see it. To me, it smacks of desperation. Honestly, it feels like this this team. Pushed its chips into the middle of the table at the deadline last year where I mean the I mean, deadline what, was disastrous. Once you dip your toe in, there's no turning back and that they're they're just bathing in the waters of of being all in with a with a, a core that you shouldn't be all in with.
1: So a couple things on the age there. Pascal Siakam, twenty nine,
0: won't turn thirty until
1: basically the end of next season. But you know, if an age is a thing, you just have to start thinking about it with him. And then I think the other part that I don't know what the right answer to this is, but what would a move like this do to reshape or kind of hold the Raptors view among the league? I mean, I think that 2019 championship, obviously it did a lot for them in this country in terms of fan base and recognition and everything. But I also do think getting Kawhi in, and yeah, there were horror stories along the way of uh, if this doesn't work, the stuff that's going to come out is going to look so bad. But it did work. And the mm-hmm. stuff that came out ended up being so good. Is this a way of Masai kind of doing it again? And it's a three-year run with Damon Pascal. And again, you basically become, I think, The Lowry DeRozan Raptors, where you have some nice runs and you go to a conference final, but you reposition yourself as a or continue to position yourself. No, they were bad last year. Reposition yourself (laughs) as a respectable franchise. And then with this all down the road to when Messiah has a chance to do this again, because this is what is the MO to the Raptors competing? There was the DeRozan-Laurier that never worked, and then the only other time they've done it that it's worked has been big swing at a guy who doesn't necessarily want to come here and convincing him that you make it work. So I do wonder how much of that enters the calculus, that is this the move to turn us into a championship team? No, but maybe Masai sits there and looks at it and says, there is no move that turns this into a championship team, so this the best I can make with it. I, I do think there's some merit to the idea of turning yourself back into – a contender albeit not a true title contender but somebody who is respectable and can make a conference finals
0: well, what what are we doing then? i mean i mean I, I, well i mean if you're just
1: going to roll it with pascal and scotty <laughs> barnes i think not much either quite honestly uh, i think that's the problem
0: yeah i mean it's, yeah. It, it's, it's 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 why at the deadline it would have made all the sense in the world to, to trade
1: to, all the guys <laughs> yeah
0: agreed <laughs> I, I don't – that sounds – what you're describing yes. makes some sense mm. for somebody that's not Masai Ujiri, right? Like mm. somebody who's maybe looking to change the perception or honestly save a job, right? Like that sounds like the the work of a guy who's trying to save his job, not somebody who's already got all the equity you could ever have in a city with a franchise after bringing a championship here after the, the massive swing that you took with Kawhi Leonard in uh, 2019 and, and and winning a championship. That that doesn't sound—and I get it. Like, the, the narrative has it I flipped think, a little I bit with I just think just
1: as much a chance, arguably more of a chance, to win with that group than he ever will with this Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam group that's here.
0: Sure, he has a better chance to win, what, like, I, I don't know, a round or two? I mean, I, he— it,
1: the answer to this is probably neither of those teams ever wins a title. But if you just sit here with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG, I mean, that group could be fine occasionally, but I've seen enough that it's not going to grow and become this, you know, core of a championship team.
0: All right. Um, I've done a bad job because we haven't talked the NFL and we've been on the air for an hour. I love the NFL. <laughs> so we'll get to that in the next hour, but we're uh, also going to talk to our pal uh, Gord Stellick. Sportsnet Leafs analyst next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan.